It's a tragic but also somewhat historic death, the death of uh, Alexei Navalny, the guy, the only guy really who was a serious threat to Vladimir Putin, and he has died in prison where he should not have been. His only offense was going up against Vladimir Putin. Uh, he has died at the age of 47. We are going to be speaking with an international security expert, a Russia expert, at 7.35. We should probably track down Bill Browder. Uh, Bill Browder is a guy who's written two books. He made his all of it, I mean, he was a multimillionaire thanks to his investments and his work in Russia. But then he crossed Vladimir Putin, and Vladimir Putin tried to have him imprisoned, but he escaped. And then Vladimir Putin actually tried to kidnap him, even though he wasn't in Russia anymore. And that is just how bloodthirsty and villainous Vladimir Putin is. I don't know why he has fans in the West, but he does. I guess it's out of need, you know, the unfortunate thing about a lot of politics these days and the positions that people take is they take positions that they would not normally take because their opponents have taken opposing positions. So the, you know, the Western left is big on trying to defend Ukraine against Russian aggression. Ergo, some on the right have decided Vladimir Putin must be a hero. So let's make Vladimir Putin a hero and let's make uh, Zelensky some kind of a villain. And with Navalny, it's just, it, you know, I don't know who opposes Vladimir Putin anymore. I mean, Tucker Carlson is still in Russia trying to uh, make him his best friend. Let's turn to other affairs in other countries, as a matter of fact. I'm always happy on a Friday morning to say hi to W5 investigative correspondent and managing editor Avery Haynes. Hi there. Good morning, John. So this story is about uh, a mine and an uprising and you getting tear gassed, and we'll get to that shortly, in <laughs> Panama. But set the table for me. What's, what's this story about? Well, most people think of Panama. I mean, it's a, it's really booming now as an expat community for people who want to retire from Canada and take in the extraordinary jungle and beaches and all the rest of it. Um, for a matter of a number of weeks, the entire country ground to a halt. There were blockades at every uh, highway. Uh, Schools were shut down, and it was all part of an uprising against a Canadian mine, one of the largest copper mines in the world, uh, First Quantum Minerals, which is plunked right in the midst of Panama's extraordinary uh, jungle. And the government had decided to extend its contract by 20 years. And the people revolted, and it led to lots of violence. We have just this extraordinary video of uh, the blockades triggering so much unrest that somebody got out of his car and started opening fire on protesters. There was tear gassing, of which I got caught up in. Right. Um, fishermen were holding uh, holding this... this um, protest at this port and so blocking any fuel from coming into the to the port and and they were successful the mine has been shut down and our investigation looks not only at the allegations from environmentalists against the canadian mine but the potential environmental catastrophe that now is a factor given the fact that uh, a mine cannot just sit empty Okay, so, I mean, what was the, the, the essence, I guess we could say, of the complaint against this mine and against this company and against this Canadian company? 
Well, the allegation was that this was kind of a hush backroom deal to extend it by 20 years, that the public was not consulted. And the Supreme Court ruled in favor of the people that the contract was un- unconstitutional. And the government, in the midst of all of this, you know, did an extraordinary thing in, in putting out a moratorium on all new mining in Panama. So a number of countries are now saying we don't want to make our money, Costa Rica being one of them, off of mining. We want to instead harness nature and and not have mines in our country. But, it, you know, this company, First Quantum, represented 5% of Panama's GDP. It employed thousands of people who are now out of work. And so there are lots of issues that, that arise from this. But part of our investigation, because it, it was interesting being a Canadian and hearing so much rage against this Canadian company. And so we did some digging into First Quantum. And, and I'll just say, it's represented as a Canadian company. I had to fly to England to interview the CEO who is Australian. And so there's a very interesting dynamic that's happening where there are many, many companies that are registered as being Canadian, but you know, you wouldn't necessarily consider them a Canadian company. Okay, and what's it like to be tear gassed? I have uh, covered many a riot, but I've never been tear gassed. You know, I have been in war zones before, right at the front line. I also had never been tear gassed before, and I'll say it is not pleasant. We uh, we spent some time at the University of Panama. The students took over their university and put a blockade around it and lived in there for weeks. And outside were riot police, and they'd get into these they do their studies during the day online and then get into these battles with police by throwing rocks at them. And then the police would, would send tear gas back. So, yeah, we got caught in the middle of it, got tear gassed. Uh, we capsized, almost capsized at sea going out to this protest. We had a one of our, our drone was shot out of the sky and by a slingshot. It was uh, <laughs> it had its moments. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> hey, the adventures of an international correspondent. Thank you. Good to have you. Avery. My pleasure, John. Okay, Avery Haynes from W5, which airs on Saturday at 7 p.m. Pierre Polyev, let's face it, is the prime minister in waiting. I don't see any other scenario uh, than him being elected and with a majority government, which we haven't had for two sessions. So he's starting to map things out for you so you know what his administration is going to look like. One thing he says is he's going to end wasteful foreign aid. Now, it doesn't mean all foreign aid, but wasteful foreign aid, he says. And he's going to increase funding for the Canadian military. He wants to get up to the NATO threshold. And the NATO threshold is this. You have to spend 2% of your GDP on defense. And can we disavow once and for all, can, can we get away from this silly idea that NATO is this pot of money that you pay into and some people are in arrears for their dues. That's not how it works. You vow to spend. And actually, I was looking at the details of this recently. It's a very loose vow. It's not like a promise, I swear. And it only when they made this promise, I think in like 2015, it was that by 2024, they would try 
to spend 2% on national defense. And there are a lot of arguments about this. I mean, we do border on Russia, but I really don't think they're going to launch a northern invasion, but who knows? Uh, And we have very much piggybacked on the Americans, always believing that if there was ever a national security threat in Canada, that the Americans, the largest military in the history of the world, would come to our defense. So yeah, we've been laggards. But at the same time, It's no small commitment to spend 2% of your GDP on a budget envelope that actually has little, if any, application outside of being in a ready posture. But still, Pierre Polyev says he's going to uh, try to meet that goal. Meanwhile, I love this story. I love any customer complaint story because then I can wave my paper like this, like Pat Foran, and say, on your side. But this is a story about a guy who had to fly to his grandmother's funeral. And you've probably heard that if you ask, you will get a discount on airfare if you are going to a funeral. So this guy actually went online, and he was interacting with a bot, so basically artificial intelligence. And he asked about the bereavement discount. And the bot told him, you'll get it. So he bought a ticket. He flew to his grandmother's funeral, flies home, then goes to Air Canada customer service and says, I'd like my bereavement discount. They say no. He says, well, I was interacting on the, online and I was told I could get it. They said, yeah, that was a robot. And was, who cares? So he went to a tribunal and the tribunal has ordered Air Canada to pay up. And there are many, many consumer implications to this. But more importantly, I would say, wait a second, you decided to technologize something and hand it over to artificial intelligence. And now you are not willing to honor the deal that artificial intelligence made. If we're going to be moving into this great grim future of computers making decisions for us, then corporations that rely on those computers, which, you know, this was replacing somebody who would have made $55,000 a year, then, you know, corporations had better pony up.